Bonnie Jill Laughlin back here at the Weekly Pass and my wonderful co-host Adam Copeland. Copes, crazy time in the NBA. I mean, NBA Finals and this NBA free agency is just nuts right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bonkers. First of all, it was nice to have a week off of 4th of July. It was. Some days off of 4th of July, and then uh, we find out during 4th of July weekend, Kawhi Leonard, he's going to make his call. It's kind of what happened with Kevin Durant a few years back, right? It was exactly. like the, the 5th of July, the second we were done celebrating, you wake up and you find out news is broken. Kawhi Leonard headed to the Clippers, and this was, was news that you had had or some insight you'd had. You'd assumed he was going to Yeah, it was funny because I was actually at NBA Summer League, and there's an earthquake that happened in L.A. Vegas felt it, and all of a sudden they said, the earthquake is the fact that Kawhi is going to the Clippers. Kawhi cracked bringing, the earth, yeah. He's bringing his buddy, by the way, because, you know, you play with your buddy. Paul, that's, that's exactly <laughs> Paul it. Paul George is, is now getting traded, which is just nuts. I didn't know about that, but I did know about Kawhi because I'm friends with Al Kekney, who is the trainer over at the Raptors, who used to work with me over at the Lakers. And he told me, he goes, we're going to L.A. And I go, you guys are going to L.A.? Who's going to L.A.? I didn't know what he was talking about. He goes, me and Kawhi. I go, Lakers? He goes, uh-uh. And, and how much of this do you think had to do with Jerry West? Is Jerry West oh, the guy pulling the these biggest, strings? If you think about it, he's the common one. You know, you think about that, you think of the Shaquille O'Neal free agency. You think of KD here in Golden State. All Jerry West. When the logo says, I want you to be here, you can trust it, right? And how do you say go, no to that guy? How do you say no to the logo? Yeah, so, so where do you stand right now on where the Clippers are in the NBA? Because it uh, feels like, I mean, ironically, the, the shifting of the tectonic plates in the league has uh, changed how everybody's outlook on the NBA is going to be for next season. For the first time in about five years, we're not looking at the at the NBA or at the Western Conference and saying it's the Warriors Conference to lose. It now seems like it's the Lakers or Clippers Conference to win. I think so. And But you look at the depth chart of the Lakers, it's a little dicey. Still wondering how all these different personalities are going to get along. You've got the young, old. I really do think that Clippers have the advantage. You look at what they did in the playoffs. Now you add PG and Kawhi, who both are defensive like maniacs. I mean, they're not just, you know, people think about their offense. See, you see, know about this. We talked about PG was, you know, he MVP. led the league. He led the league in steals, and he, and he yeah. scored twenty eight points a game last year. Like, yeah. I look at the Lakers roster personally. I think they're. I, I know everybody's looking at the Clippers because of the defensive prowess you're going to have mm-hmm. with PG thirteen and with with Kawhi Leonard. You look at Doc Rivers up top there. They bring back Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, and score off the bench. Yeah, I mean, because Zubats gets a good deal for them, who's a, a young upcoming center. But I look at the Lakers roster, and I don't know top to bottom that there's a better team on paper in the league. I get what you're saying about about personalities, and you're in Los Angeles, and you're now with the Showtime oh, Lakers. And, and we all know the DNA in the Lakers is what? There's always going to be some kind of drama. There's always AD going to be drama. play 82 games. We, knew, we now know that LeBron is not invincible. He, he can break down, right? And then you look at Rondo. He's upset. He's going to sit on the other side of the court. You've got, you know, AD and LeBron. Is that chemistry going to work? I, I wonder about the chemistry just because I saw when I was at the Lakers before them bringing in Carmelone and Gary Payton and, then they what did that Shaq team and do? Kobe, and they almost got swept by but, the Pistons. But they went to the NBA they Finals. Did. That's you're, what I'm talking right. about. At I, least I, getting there. No. And then, you know what? Anything is an improvement from what the Lakers have dealt with, not even making the playoffs. Of so, course. So I mean, they've been a lottery team. Correct. Right, right. I, I look at the roster and I say, okay, top to bottom, and they've announced now LeBron James is going to be the starting point guard, which is, is so insane. Crazy. Him pulling, bringing up the ball, which he likes to do. I think he's going to get tired of doing I, that. That's going to wear on him, I, I think. Maybe could be, not. Could but. be. I, I, I'm with you. But I think then when you look to a guy who's a veteran presence like Rondo who can play the point guard, you know, if Kyle Kuzma who looks to probably come off the bench, oh, DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, the, the backup front court, the backup shooters they've got now off the bench, they've added Avery Bradley, who's a, a 43% three-point shooter. They've added uh, Jared Dudley, who mm-hmm. in his career has shot in the high 30% for three-point range. And you got Quinn Cook. You've got Quinn <laughs> Cook of the Warriors, who's a 41% three-point shooter. He may make a big shooter. shot every now and then. You yeah, know? so and then you look at the front court, and you've got guys like JaVale McGee now with a yeah, championship got the pedigree. better leadership, too. Tyson Chandler comes off the bench. I feel better about the big men coming off the bench than the guys who were in the starting lineup for them last year, and they changed a little 
little bit defensively once they added Tyson Chandler last season. Oh, definitely. Having and an if, anchor in the paint certainly helped. And if DeMarcus is healthy, I, mean, I would have liked the, him to come back to the Warriors. I mean, I think you could see what he could do when he was partial, you know. I mean, there's times where he said he felt like he was running in cement or what have you. But, I mean, he could be a huge dominant force if he ends up being healthy. Or does he go back to the coach killer, crazy DeMarcus? I'm just saying, like, you look at all the different personnel. That's the only thing. You're like, right. It's, it's a personality. Because I thing. know, like, on paper, yes. I just always look at the other factors, injuries, and chemistry. And we'll see. But the West is going to be so deep, like always. You know, it's going to be crazy. And people aren't talking about Utah. I think Utah is a team that could get, almost get the number one. See, look how stacked they are. They like, add Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they've gotten a lot better oh, than Utah Jazz. They they Donovan de- Mitchell, they got everyone. They've learned loaded in their depth chart you know and also denver there's a lot of teams the warriors here in the bay area i mean i, I mean seventh day seed maybe perhaps i mean maybe higher once clay gets back i don't know again a lot of unknowns right it's, it's tough to tell with the warriors i think because of what you just said because of the injury to clay on paper i think the warriors still look like a playoff team in the west but it's top heavy it's a top heavy western conference and then you've got a bunch of teams don't forget about the san antonio spurs we'll have they always fly under the radar they'll have murray coming there. back this year uh, uh the, new the orleans coach, new orleans you think new orleans got better I don't I do. think I mean, I'm it's not funny because Zion, I mean, yeah, you know, he's already has this bruised knee that he's dealing with, but I think he's going to have to develop more of his game. You can't just be a dunker. We all know that you can't just have that in your game. He's going to get destroyed in the NBA. So I think he's got to add something more. So well, tell me about, tell me about Summer League. You were out there. He played, yeah. he played the first game and then banged his knee. And then he banged his knee. That's it. So he's tell me done. about the layout of Summer League because, like, I've, I've never been in, in the last, I'd say, what, five to seven years, it's become like, Spring training, right? Like I'm waiting. I'm waiting <laughs> yeah. to see a bachelorette party at a at a summer league game. It, it's kind of becoming that. Before it was really when I first went and I was a scout with the Lakers. It was very much the front office and coaches. It very like and nobody people was in there the industry and, who are yeah. looking for jobs. Right. And it was just that that was it. You kind of like winter meetings for baseball is what I imagine. You like it. Young people trying you to show it. up and, and, and get an angle in the you door. Yeah, that's it. But they didn't have credentials, so they're waiting by the mm-hmm. door for when people are walking mm-hmm. out. They're waiting at the hotels, the team hotels. Now they've opened it up where you know the fans can come and they can get a great look. They they buy ticket general admission first come first serve like southwest airlines you just get on whoever's there first yeah. gets, gets a good seat and they're able to get really close oh to every these- ticket is general admission in yes. the arena yeah unbelievable i didn't yeah. know that. every ticket you know they have one section uh, that they always kind of uh, rope off for the scouts in the front office everything else you just go in and they've got cox pavilion and thomas max there's two arenas you can go back and forth with your ticket i think it's a great experience and you can get down low and be able to try to like get the attention of some of the guys and i saw like some of the players they'll go into the stands and sign and and again if you wait by certain doors you can see the guys and everyone's loose just like spring training yeah guys know they need to make a team or whatever but they're still pretty loose and then the guys that all come into support you know, their their fellow teammates. Yeah, we're seeing now, video so, of LeBron's down yeah, there. And those, I mean, you know, who doesn't want to go to Vegas? All, right? They're all there. It's different they're than going there. to Scottsdale to go check out a baseball <laughs> team, right? <laughs> right? See if this guy's going to make the team. I can go to Vegas for a weekend and check yeah. out, and, I don't know, five, and, six MJ's teams. MJ's there. I mean, everyone, think of all the big dogs in the NBA. They're all there. Right. So, how many general managers do you think are on hand there? Because they're still dealing with free agent stuff. They're still dealing with trades. Are they there checking out players? Yeah, they're there and they're doing, you know, the, their office is Vegas. Yeah. So, they're there at the games, but there's times where they're coming in and out. You always see them on phone calls walking out of the arena they're on their laptop on their phone so everyone makes that like their office for the next 12 days you kill to be a fly on the wall of some of those oh, conversations because so you hear about winter meetings is the same way in baseball right. like in the off season you get guys who are are i remember andy baggerly who writes for the athletic was was 
put up a piece last year during the uh, the winter meetings about how the best news he ever got one time was when he shared a wall with the general manager in the hotel. So he spent the whole weekend like trying to with listen a with a glass oh, up against God. the wall, trying to hear if he could figure out what trades were going to go down. Stories by me putting like, a glass of bio a wall. I feel like the NBA is the exact same <laughs> stuff. The NBA though, right now, I mean, it, it rules the roost as far as it's a three hundred sixty five day a year mm-hmm. league now because you get, of course, the the regular season what October to to March or whatever, then April till late late June, you're getting. NBA finals and NBA playoffs, and then you get into the draft, then you get into free agency. Mm-hmm. Free agency, you said it at the top of the podcast, almost as big, if not more interesting than, like, I don't know, the first round of the it's, Eastern Conference playoffs. Isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah, it's people, insane. And you also get everyone. Like, yeah. when, you know, with certain teams in the playoff, it's only their fans. Everyone is intrigued by where these big players are going to go. And now all of a sudden, here comes, you know, they do like those global games and, and then we're back at it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. And uh, our guest today, you can you can maybe talk about what we're going to talk about with him. Chris Mullen. I mean, uh, what else can I say? The, you know, part of the Run TMC, Hall of Famer, twice. Dream Team. Dream Team, yeah. you know, two-time gold medalist. I mean, Chris Mullen, he's a legend out here. And I think, you know, especially his story, like, you know, coming from the Bronx and being able to, you know, being the white guy, like playing, you know, street ball in New York. I think it's pretty, pretty cool. It's, right? it's fascinating. And yeah. it's cool that he was, like you said, drafted number seven overall by the Warriors, member of the Dream Team, Hall of Famer, uh, and then went back to coach his alma mater. I mean, he played in he played in the Big East at St. John's when the Big Bronx, East was the Brooklyn. Big East. I meant from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, no, he's going to be fun to talk to. And, of course, a former general manager and executive with the Kings. GM of the Warriors, Warriors here in the Bay Area. So, uh, and now, are, is he back doing TV analyst? Um, thinking about going back into that because he left St. John's. You know, he actually left himself after four years. Yeah, I believe four seasons. And then now, I think he wants to get back into TV because he was kind of talking to me about, oh, maybe I should do a podcast. And you know, and him and Mitch Richmond are like best friends. We can talk about. That and more. I think Mitch Richmond was on his staff yes, at St. John's. He was there, like wherever you know. Chris goes, Mitch goes. So stuff that we'll talk to him about, this is going to be a fun conversation. It will be it? really fun. And uh, I think the people, not just here in, in San Francisco, everywhere will want to hear what he has to say. We are now joined by Chris Mullen, a friend of ours, Bay Area, seventh pick overall for the Golden State Warriors, two-time Hall of Fame. I mean, what else can I say? Two-time gold medalist. I mean, you've done everything, Mullen. My pleasure, Bonnie Hill. How are you doing? <laughs> We're good. Thank you for joining the Weekly Pass. I'm here with my co-host, Adam Copeland. Cope, you want to say Oh, that? what up? What up? Well, yeah, how you doing, man? The pleasantries. we got to get them out of the way. Out of my pleasure, man. Yeah, good, good to be with you guys. Yeah, you too, man. Now, Mo, I want to get right into um, free agency. It's been crazy now that the dust has settled. Your feelings with all the changes with KD on the move with Kyrie to Brooklyn and Kawhi and PG, you know, to Clippers. A lot's going on, and I want to kind of get your thoughts on all of it. Yeah, Bonnie, Jill, and Adam, it's it's really fascinating. Um, I think what's really happened it's, it's an evolution of of free agency and, and the players. Uh, having a, a stronger voice. Uh, I think it's obviously a, a byproduct of shorter contracts. Um, so, the, so the NBA has totally evolved into this global, iconic sport with, with, with 24-7, 365 coverage. Uh, the players, not, not, not so much just, just making great money, but also having the ability to move teams. And it's really the star players that dig, have always dictated everything. Um, but uh, back in the day, a lot of star players stayed with their own team because they didn't have the ability to really move as they do now. Um, so it's really fascinating to watch. I, you know, I, look, it's different uh, for a guy from my generation, but a lot of things are different. And I think change is imminent. I think change is good. And I think everyone has to get used to it. 
Now, Chris, I mean, it's like you said, it's a players league now, and these owners and GMs are forced to trade these guys. And, you know, we look at some of these players are saying they want to play with their best friends. I mean, that never happened mm-hmm. with you. It's and then yeah. and then you look at someone like a Stephen Clay who are really happy, like, you know, where they're at. I mean, these guys are making the max deals and they're still unhappy. And I mean, I know you say it's good for the league, but do you think of uh, down the line future, you think fans are going to like this, that these guys won't stay in one place and they just want to move around? Yeah, again, Bonnie, Jill, and Adam, I think it's really just a byproduct of, of evolution and, and times change, right? And if you don't change with them, you might become, you know, old and crusty. You know, I just kind of look mm-hmm. at the positive the positive spin of it, uh, <laughs> that the players have the ability to not only make money but also dictate where they play. Uh, and you mentioned this, that, that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, when, you, when the player was negotiating his deal, he would call the GM or the owner and wait to hear back. <laughs> Now it's, it's the other way around. The owner's waiting to, to see if the play will meet with them. Um, so it's, it's totally different. Um, and that, that's taken a lot of time to get to that point. Uh, and the players are really flexing their muscles and, and dictating not only the, the salaries that they want, but also who they want to play with, uh, where they want to play. Um, yes, yeah, so I think the fans will adjust like, like always. Uh, and like you said, there's always a handful of guys. You mentioned Stephen Clay. Uh, homegrown and Draymond, for that matter, guys mm-hmm. who were drafted by the Warriors who will stay here probably their whole careers, be happy, go about their business. So I think what you also see with social media is you see a guy's personality um, on, off the court, good, bad, and indifferent, right? So so mm-hmm. much is exposed that there's not much left that you don't know about these players. Uh, so I think that, that's been a big change, too, to be able to uh, – you know, really just see every every little thing that not only a person does, maybe, maybe even what a person is thinking on a daily basis. Now, social media, if you had social media with you, Timmy, and, uh, <laughs> and Mitch, <laughs> and Mitch yeah. could, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all happy we didn't have that. Um, <laughs> I know I am. And I don't, you know, look, I'm not against it, but just, just the way I was brought up, you know, where, where I was brought up, when I was brought up, I always tell people, um, I, I grew up in Brooklyn uh, in the 60s and the 70s and 80s, and uh, my my goal in my neighborhood was to have zero followers. If you had a follower, you had a problem. <laughs> That's great. So I kind of still stick to that. I, I, I'm very happy having zero followers and going about my day. <laughs> Guys, pay attention. You just don't want them following you around. That's when you get in trouble. Uh, yeah, you know, if they're my close friends and my family, that's cool. But after that, that, was, that wasn't a good thing. Uh, good deal, man. Do, do, now, I don't think anybody's totally shocked that Kawhi ended up in Los Angeles. There was speculation about the uh, the Clippers and the Lakers. I think the thing that, that kind of surprised everybody was the Paul George trade. And, and sort of what Bonnie Joe was alluding to in that uh, guys now who have these big contracts can say to their GM, I, I would like to be moved, I'd like to be traded. You've been a GM, you've been an advisor and executive in these front offices. Is there a pressure that is felt from a general manager in that position, or is it really just about keeping the locker room intact? Yeah, I think, Adam, I think there's a, there's a different dynamic now with being a GM, even an owner, because the owners are way more involved, too, on, on mm-hmm. the day-to-day basis. You know, obviously, when, when the teams went from, you know, uh, millions to billions, it's a, it's a different dynamic, right? So there's a lot more people involved in the day-to-day operation. Uh, but I look at the GMs now, and I, it seems like they're almost like like in college. I, me, me and Mitch just finished four years in, in the college level, right? So there's a lot of nice things about that. But the one thing the college coaches have to deal with now is the transfers, you know? 
again, just 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 a big change. When I was in school, you know, Patrick Ewing, Ralph Sampson, these guys stayed in school four years. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what guys did, right? And again, not right or wrong. That's what they did. There was a stability there, not only for the players but for the coaches. Now, on any given year, there's there's about 800 transfers a year, so that's like like two per team. You know, so the instability. Uh, I'm sure it, it, it leads to a lot of sleepless nights, right? Yeah. Um, but the players, again, you know, when, when they I, – I equate the Kawhi situation, and then, look, the Clippers did an amazing job in a short amount of time to acquire Paul George to when Danny Ainge um, – because we were involved with, with Kevin Garnett back then with the Warriors. We were trying to get him as well. And we actually, for a while, we had, we had a pretty good chance. We had a better roster as it stood. Danny went ahead and acquired Ray Allen which put them over the top. So now they had Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, that attracted Kevin Garnett. So a very similar situation um, that, that the Clippers were able to give up. Look, they gave up a lot, but from their point of view, it was to get Kawhi and Paul George to team them up. Um, I think what it's also done is it's, I think it's even the league out, right? I think what it does, it shows you how great the Warriors were these last three to five years. Because to me, all these teams that got better with this free agency period – None of them come close to what the Warriors had just, you know, uh, two weeks ago. Right. No, you're right, because everybody, I mean, there's that talk that the Warriors and Steph Curry broke the league, but what it did is it, it elevated the the prowess of the league. It elevated, I feel like, individual teams to feel like they've got to make these moves to end up with multiple superstars, which sort of goes hand-in-hand hand with what you're saying in that a player's desire to win goes hand-in-hand hand with them wanting to play with their friends, but frequently that means playing with another superstar. Right, and a lot. Look, a lot of times in the past, you weren't able to uh, get everything right. Mm-hmm. The location, who you want to play with, and where. Now it seems the players, they've got so much power uh, that they're able to do that. And it's it's, it's it is kind of uh, ironic that just a while ago we were saying it takes three, four, and the Warriors had five basically superstars, right, yeah. or five all stars. Let's say three, three Hall of Fame guys and two All Star players. Um, now it's gone back the other way. It's, it's two per team. Uh, I think overall it's better for the league. I think there's more there's more balance across the league. Um, but again, I go back to how dynamic the Warriors were. Uh, if they did keep that thing together, I thought they would probably guarantee another two championships within the next five years. Um, that didn't happen. Um, I think they'll still be a really good team when they get whole. Uh, and I think this, you know, what, what this offseason has done is really promoted and, and, and hyped up the regular season. Just going to be incredible to watch, which I think the fans, uh, all the league people are excited about that. Now, Chris, talk about the, the West. The Western Conference is so deep now. You've got, you know, the Nuggets and Utah Jazz up there and then obviously the Lakers and Clippers. How do you think the Warriors will, will fare in this in this playoff, you know, because people are thinking, well, are they going to be a seventh, an eighth seed? I mean, will they even make the playoffs? Kind of give your predictions on the Western Conference and the Warriors. Yeah, there's so many good teams. and But what I see, what I see by in the obvious is more balance. Like, the star power is there. But, again, not compared to what the Warriors had. So, I think there's a little bit more balance. Uh, I love Denver. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Utah, Clippers, Lakers. I think Houston has to be up there. They basically have the same team. The last two years were right there, knocking on the door. And could add Russell Westbrook. Uh, He's even there. Yeah, who knows? That. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. The summer's still young, so who knows? <laughs> but, I mean, they basically have the same team that went to game seven mm-hmm. uh, two years ago and, and played the Warriors. I thought they played the Warriors tough both both uh, last two seasons. Uh, Memphis, I mean, um, Portland got better. Mm-hmm. I like what they've done. Um 
Dallas is going to be a good team. You know, they're young, but they're going to be good and improved. San Antonio's always in there. So look, the Warriors are going to be fighting for fighting for a spot. They really are. Um, the one thing they're going to have to do is get the Angel Russell acclimated. Um, and I think not only needs to score the ball, I think he's going to, his big uh, his big asset's going to be trying to get Steph Curry off the ball so he doesn't get uh, overworked. Uh, you know, the first few months of the season. So come, you know, uh, February, Mar- February, March, that they can be strong. Uh, maybe they get hold at that point in time. Uh, but I think they got to be really smart about this year. You know, you look back historically, teams don't maintain that level for whatever reason. It doesn't matter whether it be injury, uh, trades, whatever that might be. I think there was a time to, uh, and it's not a bad thing, just to, just to, uh, reassess where you're at, be, be realistic with yourself, mm-hmm. and, and be smart, and be smart with your approach. You mentioned keeping your, your legs fresh in, in response to D'Angelo Russell uh, when you get to March into April. Um, when you were playing, as far as like, I mean, even now, you've got Summer League, you've got FIBA championships, there's Olympics, there's all sorts of stuff guys do to play, I mean, almost 10 months of basketball a year. At what point in the yeah. season did you start to feel the heavy legs or get the slog going into sort of the dog days of the NBA season? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. So, so we didn't do a whole lot of organized team activities in the off season. Um, again, just a different approach. I always felt like it was pretty healthy to get away, not only physically, uh, also just just get away from people in general that you're with so much. That's gone away, you know. And I think overall, it's it's raised the level of play. You know, I think these guys are really, really on tremendous uh, routines and daily. Um, you know, physical activity and the nutrition, they do it 365. So I think the ultimate product is better. Um, but I do see a little fatigue uh, physically and emotionally just with, just with that, just with the daily grind, not taking time to get away so you come back refreshed uh, and hungry and passion for it. So there's always that fine line, right, between rest and rust and then uh, being dedicated and also being fresh. So that might be a little something teams look at. I know they try and do it during the season to keep their bodies fresh. I do think, in my mind, I've always felt like your body and mind go together. You know, and if one's a little bit off, you're not going to be at full potential. Um, so I think you know, there's a lot. There's so much stuff going on with sleep uh, studies and, and nutrition. I always felt like the really important part is having your body and your mind in sync, so both are really, uh, you know kind of fresh and hungry and ready to go each, each and every day. That's a hard thing to do with, with the long schedule. It's extremely tough to do. I know they've tried to expand it a little bit, trying to give you the extra off days. Um, but I'd imagine, I mean, this is why the healthy scratch has become such a big thing. Where do you stand on that, on guys who are, are sort of taking a day off to keep the mind and the body fresh? Yeah, that load management. Yeah, I mean, again, something that's different, but I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, look, I'm, Bonnie Jill and, you, you know, Mitch, with guys from my era and, and, and before us, there was different stuff. I know several guys, you know, Mitch, uh, different guy. We've had our hips repaired. And, and I don't think it's just the NBA grind. It's also how you grow up, right? So we grew, I know I grew up playing on the concrete until I was in the pros. Actually, yeah. I still play in the concrete in the summertime. So the wear and tear is a, is a physical concern. Um, but, again, I think, I think the, the elevation of the sport really, to me, happened when they increased uh, – the, the way they travel, right, with the charter planes, they can get back and forth. They can get treatment on the plane. And then the, the uh, 24-7 access to treatment at the facilities, right? There was a back in the time, back in the day, you wouldn't believe we practiced everywhere all over the Bay Area, the Mormon Temple, Pacific High School. 
we would just bounce around trying to find gyms. The fact that these these guys have a place they can go each and every day uh, to get their treatment, to, to, to work their bodies, to, to eat good food, I think that, that's been the biggest thing that's really helped these guys. And in turn, and you mentioned that they train 24-7, 365, which is a great thing. Now the, the, the balance is to find that the rest and recovery uh, in season. Now, Chris, I want to get back to the Warriors, you know, adding D'Angelo Russell and Willie Cauley-Stein. They, you know, thrive on the pick and roll, which is something the Warriors don't do much. Is Steve Kerr going to have to kind of change the offense, or what do you see Kerr doing to kind of get them in the flow of this offense? Yeah, I, look, I've watched the Warriors quite a bit. I, I know Steve really, really well. He's played in a lot of different systems. He's a really, really smart guy. He's got a dynamic um, personality where he can deal with just about anything that's thrown at him, and he has in, in, a, in a classy, professional way. I do see them running pick and roll quite a bit. Not, they just don't – I think what they look for, they look for the, the, the fine balance between, you know, the, the passing um, – screening, catch-and-shoot game. They like the post game. They like playing off the elbows. Um, they love transition, of course, after turnovers and steals. And then I think when, when, when things aren't going well, they need to win a game. They're going to go to what, what's working on that mm-hmm. particular night. And a lot of times it is a high pick-and-roll with Steph. And sometimes they double him and they, and they throw to Draymond where he's looking at a, a you know, three on, a four-on-three uh, look because they double Steph early. So I think that's, that's going to be an easy transition. Um, I think what Bob Myers did this offseason um, has somewhat been miraculous because, you know, they had no real cap space, right? So they manufactured it through this through a sign-in trade and got really the next most talented player on the board. Um, was it the perfect fit? Sometimes you don't have that luxury, right? Um, but the Warriors, the plays that they have on their roster, their, their foundation, they're, they're, they're so good, you can almost take anybody and make it work because of their dynamic skill sets, right? They play different styles. Uh, I think Willie Cauley-Stein's a really, really important pickup for them, a young athletic big that can run. Because what people don't understand, when you're playing small, you got to play fast. You don't play small to post up and clog the middle. Yeah. When you play small, you want to get up and down the floor all, all night long, not once in a while, and push that pace. And I think the Willie Cauley-Stein's uh, perfectly uh, built for that. Um, half-court defense, he can switch the pick-and-rolls, which they love to do. Uh, I think he's a pretty good rim protector. And offensively, he can set screens and, and, and uh, rim roll and put pressure on the rim, um, You know, much like you saw when Draymond throws those alley-oops to Looney or you know, a year ago with JaVale McGee. I put pressure on that rim where the defense has to collapse and make a decision. Do you take away the rim or give up the outside shot? Now, they also added in the – in the draft, the 41st pick overall, Eric Pascal, which I think you're probably familiar with. He's in the Big East, played at Villanova, and you, I'm sure you saw him a couple of times while you were coaching at Big John's. Can you kind of give us a scouting report, a breakdown on him? Absolutely. I, I love Eric Pascal. I think he's uh, I think he's going to be ready to play right away off the bench. Um, yeah, that's what I thought, a, big impact right away. Yeah, he's a, he's a strong, physical kid, tough. Um, he could shoot it. Uh, he plays bigger than he is. He's probably about Six five six six with long arms and plays much bigger, um, a little bit like Draymond. You know, a little mm-hmm. bit like Draymond in that mold. Um, can play a little, you know, point forward. Uh, can really, really guard. He can guard bigs in the post, and he can really guard the perimeter. Can move his feet. So he's a really another player that that can switch pick and rolls. Um, I think with with, uh, with, vet, with with four veterans out here, he'd function just fine right now. 
in an NBA game. I think he's ready to play. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his, and I see they picked up another Villanova kid, Amari Spellman. Yeah, they just did. Yeah. Uh, with him is is a, you know with him is just getting his fitness together. He's a good shooter, so he's going to get open. You know, he's going to be picking, popping, and he's going to be open, and he can he can make shots. He's got to get his fitness together. You're mentioning guys here, and Eric Pascal, who's I mean, he played four years in college, one at Fordham, three at at Villanova, so five years, I guess, totally in the college game. And then I look at guys in the NBA like the D'Angelo Russell, De'Aaron Fox, Devin Booker, now Zion and R.J. Barrett, who were one-and-done guys and are now in the NBA. Uh, And I feel like maybe even like D'Angelo Russell, we haven't seen his best yet because he was still developing his game, still growing as a, really just as a a man, like as a a person, his body getting bigger. Uh, What are your thoughts right now on the one-and-done rule? I mean, you spent time coaching in in college, and, uh, and you've seen these guys come out and then blossom once they get to the league. Yeah, I've seen both. So when I when I was a GM at the Warriors, we picked uh, we picked Monte Ellis out of high school, um, and I, I think that might have been one of the last years that that high school kids were eligible to come out. Um, so I've seen both. It's important that, and I think the league's done a great job now. They're totally equipped for that transition, right? And a lot of it's not just on the court. A lot of it's on the court. You got, you got to be realistic. You're not getting a pro. You're paying him like a pro, but he's not a pro. Right, you got to right. teach him how to be a pro. You got to get his skills together. He's still 18 or 19 years old. Um, and then off the court's important, helping them make that transition, getting them to the right type of routine. Uh, and any great, great athlete has their own little routine that they do each and every day, no matter what goes on. You know, rain, snow, shine, whatever, it doesn't matter. They have their routine that they stick to, and that's how you, on a daily basis, improve to become the best version of yourself. Uh, so D'Angelo Russell, I think, is a, is a great example. Uh, coming out of uh, Ohio State, I believe. Young kid, you know, out to the Lakers, and just probably a lot of stuff got thrown at him. Um, But I thought he did a a remarkable job, and I give Brooklyn a lot of credit, but he has to take most of the credit for making making changes, making changes in his life. I heard him, he he talks about just his daily regimen, right? The Brooklyn Nets are very um, dedicated to rest and recovery, uh, skill development, and and he bought into that, made himself an all-star. So, look, at 18 and 19, we've all been there, right? We know the mistakes we make. Uh, the thing with the NBA or any professional sports franchises now, everything's on display. So no matter what you do, it's going to be exposed publicly. Um, but I credit him a lot for, for making changes in his life, right? And then, and then uh, and doing a great job of putting together an all-star season. And now he's blessed to be with the Golden State Warriors. I wasn't in the NBA, but thank God my stuff in 18, 19, my mistakes weren't on display either. I don't want, I don't want that stuff yeah, blasted on television. Yeah. I just, I just, I wish everyone would realize that. And you mentioned, you know, we, Mitch and I just came from, from uh, St. John's. We coached there four years. And look, it's this frustrating process, right? Whether it be college or the NBA when you deal with young kids. But I would always say, dude, that was us at one point in time. How do we help right. them? What do you do to guide them? It's one thing, look, we can all a mistake made right <laughs> that's pretty obvious how do you how do you help them right? right how do you help them and guide them uh and i think like your boy daniel russell is a, is a perfect example of that and then then he can reap the benefits and also the, the teams can so it's, it's a nice story now recently joe like the owner of the warriors stated that he's going to retire iggy's jersey and also possibly kevin durant there's been controversy that kevin durant was only here for three years brought two championships but you know people like tim hardaway's jersey should be up or mitch or what are your kind of uh when you think about that when you hear that lake of things that, that maybe the whole the starting five at one point the hampton five would all be retired jerseys yeah i think it's it's hard to argue funny joe okay. but kevin durant what he did in three years i didn't do it in a lifetime <laughs> 
I mean, he, his, his three years here was, was worthy of a, of a 20-year career. I mean, three finals, two finals MVPs. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, I don't think it's any way arguable. Uh, all those guys have, you know, put a huge imprint, not only on the Warriors, on the league itself. Like you said, they, they, they've raised the bar on what it means to be a great team. They're up there with the best of all time. Uh, so I think that's great. I think they're all they're not only all great players, they're all really good guys. I got to know all these guys off the court. They're really, really good professional guys, good team guys. Um, and I think the dynamic of the movement has people a little freaked out, like they weren't here long enough. But what I just say, look look what they did while they were here. Um, but I would agree, I'd like to see Tim and Mitch up there too at some point. But that's a whole other story. But I think all, the, all these guys, that this has been a dynamic, incredible um, – dynasty that they've put together for five years i think they, they, they should be uh rewarded with with that well, good stuff chris where are we going to see you i know you know you're not coaching more are you thinking about you know uh getting on back on tv or coaching somewhere else can you tell us anything yeah well you know, <laughs> i'm gonna be on the golf course today that's about oh it. okay all right well that's good stuff too <laughs> <laughs> swing, swing hard in case you hit it chris all right man <laughs> thanks so much Blaine, for joining us we appreciate it i found the course okay Later, man. thanks well, great stuff from Molly. I mean, I didn't expect anything, you know. I mean, you kind of expect that he's going to give you good stuff. And I love how we, I love when you talk to these older players, Copes, and you, they can kind of go back to their playing days to now. And a lot of them all say, yeah, it's evolution. That's what happens. None of them are really arguing the fact that that's what's going to happen. But I do like to kind of pick and see, like, you know, what do they not like? And they seem to be okay with this new way of from free agency to, you know, just a, the play, the, how they how they play the game. Well, you know, guys like Chris Mullen, who uh, really, you figure that the modern game of basketball evolved with Michael Jordan, right? Magic mm-hmm. and, and Larry Bird, yes. probably first and foremost. We've talked to Lenny Wilkins oh, yeah. and some of the legends. We mentioned Jerry West earlier. But as far as the modern game of basketball was played, it really kind of started with Magic and then on to Michael and then kind of on to where we are now. Chris Mullen sort of bridged that gap. He was as far in between as, them. He was yeah. in between those guys. Started in, what, 85? He played yep. at the Big East when it was the Big East uh, at St. John's. And then he comes to the NBA. He played with some of the all-time greats. And then he's on the Dream Team. And then mm-hmm. he's a general manager. And he's an executive. And he's an analyst. So you're getting more, I feel like, out of a guy like Chris Mullen, who was there when the NBA became the NBA. There was also the the element of what you were just mentioning in that these guys like Chris Mullen, like Magic, and, and the guys we were talking about before – laid the foundation for what the players are allowed to do today. The NFL and Major League Baseball, I think, the athletes in those sports would look at the NBA and say, they've got more power than any player oh, in any sport. It's, any it's what everybody right. wants. Oh, yeah, and you can see that he's okay with it. Yeah. I think he, they almost wish that it could have been for them, but now they're okay that it's They're proud the that it's still happening it. for their guys, yeah. You know what I love is hearing that, I, you know, I think a lot of younger guys take for granted is, they don't. They don't really. They didn't have a facility like him talking about. They were playing in different gyms anywhere that had open time for them to play. You don't think that's crazy? It's, it's bananas. You know, yeah. Or just you know how they rehab. Like I mean, the facilities now. If you look at these NBA facilities, I mean, they are just state of the art. I mean, you can't get anything better than that. And I think these guys are kind of spoiled. They would never know how to like. Well, uh, I'm going to just go to some random like uh, gym. Uh, where I don't have a place that. They would. And, and the, the, recogni- know, the recognition yeah. is so much different now too. Yeah. He couldn't do. But I caught. I kind of find that fascinating. Fantastic stuff from from Chris Mullen. And I guess we will be back again next week, right? Yeah, (laughs) we'll keep doing it. We'll keep doing it week week after week. Back at the weekly path. I'm Bonnie Jo Laughlin. I'm Adam Copeland. See ya.